the Our View podcast. This episode is very special for me as it is being released on Mother's Day and the guest on this episode is my mom, Dolores. She is the most caring, giving, loving, and just overall amazing person that I know. It is always an honor when someone tells me that I am so much like her. There is no one in the world I would rather be like. She knows me best. She has been with me and by my side for the last 40 years. She has her own fan club among my friends. Everyone looks forward to the conversations I post about the two of us on Facebook. And she's actually the most requested guest for this podcast. Everyone asks, when are you having your mom on? So today is the day. (laughs) Growing up, my spina bifida diagnosis was something that we did not often talk about in much detail. We honestly still don't talk about it much to today. And I wanted to have her on because throughout my life, my spina bifida diagnosis was just simply a fact of life. It is what I have. And the question was always, how do we make accommodations and adaptations so that I can participate in as many things as I physically possibly can? So this episode is a chance to give my mom an opportunity to share some of her inner thoughts and feelings about raising a disabled child. So with that being said to my mom, I just want to say thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to make sure that I succeed in life. Did you ever know that you are my hero? You're everything I'd like to be. I can fly higher than an eagle for you are the wind beneath my wings. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you all. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Our View podcast. This is a very special Mother's Day edition of the podcast. I'm excited to have my guest on today, my mother, Dolores Williams. So everyone welcome her to the podcast. She's very excited. (laughs) And uh, we are joined by our cousin, Anissa Johnson, who is going to host, facilitate, moderate, mediate, do all of the things (laughs) for this conversation. So Anissa, thank you so much for, um, for joining us for this very important uh, conversation uh, with my mom and I. So I appreciate you for taking the time to um, join us today. Well, thank you. Um, I am very happy to have the opportunity to interview with both of you. Um, there's so many things that I don't know myself that I never asked. So I'm excited to have that opportunity to get some things answered for myself as well. Um, I'm going to keep it very conversational. Um, I'm going to go through some things that, you know, um, I had in mind in the beginning and then roll into some of the questions that um, some of the podcast viewers sent in to Arthur earlier in the week. 
Okay, you guys ready? Yes, that sounds great. Okay. And um, before we get into that, I just have to share, I shared a little bit on my social media posts about um, our relationship with Anissa. So Anissa and Anissa's grandmother and my grandmother, <laughs> um, that's how we are connected. We're connected through our grandmothers. So my grandmother was Anissa's grandmother's aunt. <laughs> so that would make Anissa's grandmother and my mom first cousins. Right. <laughs> so, um, but we, we've always been close. I've been close with, um, with your mom and your brother. I have to shout out your brother so I don't get any smoke <laughs> from him. Um, <laughs> but uh, you all live in North Carolina. When my mom and I went to uh, Disney back in October, we stopped on our way down and uh, saw you guys for dinner. And then on the way back, you and I met for dinner because our moms didn't want to. <laughs> but um, when I, I can remember, I'm sure we'll talk about this in more detail, but I can remember you spending the summers at our house. Um, my parents had to work and, you know, they wanted to make sure that I was uh, supervised, I guess. And uh, it was always funny to me because as we got older, I realized you weren't that much older than me. Right. <laughs> so it was very interesting to me looking back like, wow, like I was 10 and she was maybe 14 or 15 watching me. Like that's very interesting. Yeah. So again, we'll, we'll get into all of that, but I wanted to share that with everyone um, just to, you know, make people realize I didn't just randomly pick, you know, somebody to, <laughs> to uh, host this conversation. Um, so yes, yeah, so we can uh, definitely get started now. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, um, and Dolores, um, I'm going to start out by asking you, you know, there's probably viewers tuning in for the first time, but from your education and understanding, tell me what spina bifida is. Spina bifida is when Arthur was born, he had a hole in his back, the size of a silver dollar, uh, right above the buttocks. And from that point down, it affects his extremities. It affects his um, bowel and bladder control. And Arthur has some sensation in his, I believe one of his thighs. And from that point down, it's like he has no sensation. And what happens is um, he has to walk with um, braces to help him to um, mobilize himself. But it is um, also, it causes um, the fluid does not go all the way up to the brain. And what that does is he had to have um, a shunt put in and it regulates the fluid to go from the brain on throughout his body. But um, it's, Really, when when you think about it, it it it, it causes um, uh, sometimes it does cause brain damage, and there are different kinds of uh, spina bifida, and some are mild, and some are medium, and some are uh, severe. Wherein some children have to be um, uh, placed in a wheelchair the rest of their life, but in Arthur's case. Um, Arthur was able to walk with braces and crutches and able to um, maneuver. I don't know if that really explains. You, that's, you that's explained my... it extremely well. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me when you learned that Arthur had spina bifida. 
I did not know that Arthur had spina bifida until he was born. I had gone to the doctors and shout out to Dr. Segill and God rest his soul because he passed on about five years ago. I was just told this past weekend. And I went for my regular checkups and I did not realize that Arthur had spina bifida until we were in the delivery room. Uh, let, me, let me go back. I um, started having contractions at work and I worked in Philadelphia for Conrail. And my boss, the director, Tom Collard, he came all the way over on a speed line with me to Collingswood. And my dad met me at Collingswood because my dad was working at night then. And then he took me to the hospital because Art was down the shore doing a job. And he met, we all met at West Jersey Hospital. And when Arthur was born, my, my Aunt Geraldine, um, she was a nurse. Aunt Geraldine was the nurse that was in the delivery room. And when Arthur was born, I noticed that they were looking and they didn't really say anything. And then that's when Dr. Seville said that there was a problem. Arthur had, uh, the baby had a hole in his back. And I said, well, what is that? And he told um, Art and I that they believed that he has spina bifida. And so then immediately they told us that they were gonna helicopter him to uh, Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. And we were baffled because the first thing I thought, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Because my, my term of my pregnancy was fine. And every time I went for my checkup, everything was fine. But it was at that point that, that we found out that he has spina bifida. And it was devastating because you're expecting to have a normal child and then to have a child with a disability and you don't know which way to turn. Right. And we were in the emergency room and Art said to me, he says, we got this. It's, it's bringing back so many memories because I have to go back to this. Right. When Arthur told me that he was going to do this, we never really talked about it. Right. And this is the first time to be able to, to talk about it. And, but, you know, we had conversation about different things going on, but we never really talked about yeah. it. And I told Arthur that uh, when we were chatting before we began recording that there's so much that I never asked. You know, when you're the family member of um, a, a person that has a disability, it's so normal. Like, you know, you know, Arthur is just Arthur and he had appointments and went to appointments and we were at CHOP and we're at the shoe people getting his new shoes. And, you know, it was just so yeah. normal that you didn't even know to ask things because it was just how things were. Exactly. Um, so again, that's why like this was such a great, Great idea, um, Arthur. Um, let me go into, I looked up a little bit of the statistics on spina bifida and um, today, um, in today's time in the USA, 1,427 um, babies are diagnosed each year with spina bifida um, with Hispanic cases being the majority um, followed by whites and then followed by um, black community um, with spina bifida. So the numbers, if you look at that, they're not extremely alarming, but it, it, it has become more um, common as the years have progressed. Um, 
So there was a point in the summers when I stayed with you guys and Arthur talked about this a little bit. Um, and I would care for Arthur while you guys went to work and everything. Like, and I was doing like real nursey things like the catheter. Like I'm like looking back at it now, it's just like, whoa. Yeah. You know, but it was, again, it was just nothing. It was nothing. And I remember Aunt Dolores actually showing me, you showed me two times, you know, what to do, how to do it, how to heat the water, all the, all the stuff, the sterile, I think it was distilled water we had to use and heat it up. Yeah. And you taught me, you showed me two times. And then after that, it was like, let's go. Like, I got this. And we were on the schedule and I, I had to mark things off for you so that you knew what was going on while you were at work. And looking back, I'm like, it was all like you guys planned it all out. It wasn't just a simple decision, you know, to have somebody come in and then somebody, me, <laughs> care for <laughs> yeah. Arthur, you know what I mean? It's such a big deal. But um, I remember, like I said, those appointments going to chop with you guys and going and understanding, like I said, never asking, but understanding that Arthur needed his shoes fitted differently as he grew and he needed different surgeries as he grew and never asked about that. So. When you learned that he had spina bifida, was a care plan developed at that time to where you understood, you know, he's going to need a series of surgeries or whatever have you that the doctors determined at that time? Or did it kind of just progress and you learned as you went along? I'm, I'm going to say that um, I, I am just so thankful that I had the husband that I had because Art was so supportive and we kind of hit off of each other. And it's, it's one of those things wherein we, as we went along, we, we learned because it, it was new to us. We, we didn't know our right hand from our left hand. We didn't know which direction we were going. And I am just so thankful for the guidance that we received from the doctors at CHOP and from uh, the Spina Bifida Association there at CHOP. And they're the ones that helped us to plan everything. They found that um, through the uh, Spina Bifida Clinic, we were told that there are parents that they divorce because in uh, a couple reasons why is because the father could not deal with having a child that was born with a disability. But then on the other hand, they would divorce because of medical reasons so that the child can get the full medical co coverage. But then the parents are still intertwined with each other, but they had, um, because it, it was expensive. It, it, it was expensive and you had to have good medical insurance, but then if you didn't, you would fall into another category as far as getting your medical bills or your medical um, assistance that you needed. So when I was there um, for the summers, by that time, it seemed like Arthur was a lot older. It seemed like everything worked like a well-oiled machine. You and Uncle Art just had a system and everything just flowed. I never sensed stress, never sensed any overwhelm. So going back to when Arthur first came home in those beginning years, what was that like? And what was the conversation you and our Uncle Art might have had in a game plan for Arthur um, being home? I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> because I wasn't sure if I was doing things properly. And art was, was my guide. And like, they had us trained in the hospital, but it's a different scenario when you get home. 
and you have to deal with things. But one of the things that that I've seen, and you know, it, it it's something like you know, there there there's love, and uh, when you're married and you have children, but you know, the love really came out when our firstborn with Alexia, and then it really came out when Arthur was born because we had to stick together as a team. And in that team also was Alexia because yeah. we had her doing things also. So, but, but when, when it all boils down, we, we did everything together and we had a system and like I would do something. And then if I did something, then Art would do it. We would take turns and we had a schedule. We had a list. I'm an administrative assistant and I had everything listed on what's what. So we had a system that we had to follow. So as you guys are developing a system and getting a new normal established, you have Alexia, Arthur's now home, you guys are adjusting. Um, the first question I have is from Roz Scriber Dorsey. She said, I want to know about your conversations with God when she realized, well, when you realized the potential journey of Arthur's life early on and later as you matured. What was your greatest worry at that time? Well, first I have to exhale and ask God to guide me. I was so confused and I knew that I needed to pray and I needed a, work, a network of family, friends, church, village, coworkers to pray along with me. My biggest worry was, would he be able to accept himself? And then I prayed that he would be comfortable in his own skin. And I worried about how people were going to treat him because I, I didn't know. And as, as the years went by, then I realized how cruel people can be. Right. And, you know, and, and, and trying to, to take up for him. But my biggest worry was, was he gonna be comfortable in his own skin? because he had to do things. He did a lot of things, but he had to do it in a different way, right. but he was able to accomplish what he wanted. I could never have imagined where Arthur is right now. He's intelligent. Oh my God. We were told that he would not live past the age of 15 years old. And look at him now. He's 40 years old. <laughs> and counting. <laughs> yep. He exceeded all expectations. And I give God the glory. He finished Stockton College and went on to get his master's degree in psychological counseling. And he is now the director of Bill Jake's Place a nonprofit organization. Arthur. Uh, hey. Go ahead, boy. <laughs> all the time. I'm like, you are such 
mm-hmm. a phenomenon. Like he does, and, and it's the way his mind works, he's thinking of the next thing. You know, when yeah. he came up with the idea for the podcast, and then when he came up with the idea for, you know, going into different schools and speaking to the children about, I was just like, oh man, like this is, like I said, filling that gap, seeing what's needed, and then being brave enough to go ahead and do it. And you, you, oh yeah, brave, man. <laughs> you have been brave. So, definitely. And so you 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 hit a nail on the head. Uh, you already answered my next question. I wanted to know how you overcame those fears, and you talked about prayer. Um, I don't know if the listeners know, but Aunt Dolores sings beautifully, um, inspirational gospel music. She's dropped some albums, um, <laughs> but the thing about her singing was not just the vocal ability, it was the conviction you felt in her delivery. Like you just, it came from somewhere special. And I'm imagining that those prayers that you had and seeing Arthur kind of progress in ways that medical professionals probably didn't imagine that that's where a lot of that comes from. So it gave you uh, an additional gift, I guess, vocal ability um, with that conviction that comes out in your singing. but what else fueled you aside from prayer? Like, tell me about your village. Oh man, the village. Shout out to Merchantville. <laughs> <laughs> the village. Um, I don't know how I could have made it, how we could have made it without the village. The village including my family, arts family, our church family, our community in Merchantville, the doctors, the um, mm, Chesselhurst my coworkers, <laughs> my coworkers. Um, it's like when when Arthur was born and when Arthur was uh, rushed over to Children's Hospital, we got on the phone. And we called, it's like you made one or two calls. I called Merchantville, I called Betty's house, our sister, and they got on the phone and just asked people to just start praying. But I, I, I have to say, you cannot make it. Maybe you can, but I don't know how you can make it without a village. You have to have that support because without the village, it is just so difficult. And it's like you can lay your burdens on the village and they can pick them up and they can steer you in the right direction and send out the prayer chain. Another thing that I noticed um, in just being around you guys is, like we said a bunch of times already, you and Uncle Art worked. Um, How did you achieve that work-life balance? You know, for, for any parent, with any child, it's difficult to juggle work and home. But then you add on um, Arthur's needs to that. Like, how did you guys do it? How did you, you, I mean, like I said, by the time I was there for the summers, it just seemed just seamless. But I know it, it couldn't have been. You had to have gotten to that point. So tell me a little bit about how you found that work-life balance or the self-care you might have used in, in managing your emotions and your stresses and, and dealing with it all. I think it had a lot to do with uh, my job and my boss. And I've always had a good relationship 
wherever I worked. And I worked for Conrail in Center City for 24 years. And at that time, when Arthur was born, I was working for Gary Williams. He was uh, Vice President of State and Local Affairs. And I remember that whenever, I, I always kept in touch with my job and told them, you know, what was going on. And <clears throat> when Arthur was going back and forth into the hospital and he would have surgery because Arthur has had, I'm gonna say 16, yeah, somewhere around right there. Mm -hmm. 16 different operations. And um, what happened was he would be in the hospital for a week or two weeks. And being I worked in Center City, I would stay at the hospital with Arthur. And then I would leave in the morning around eight o'clock to go down to 17th Street, 17th and Market to go to work. And then on my lunch, I would catch the bus and go back up there and spend about two hours and then go back to work. And it was that I had such a rapport with my boss and he told me whatever I had to do that they supported me. And Art, like I stayed at the hospital usually like two or three days and then I would come home and then Art would go over and then Art would stay. And Art was self-employed in a drapery business so he could work his own schedule. And then also at that time, Alexia was staying at my mom's in Merchantville and they kept her busy and they kept her running. And she had to go to like gymnastics down in Chesilhurst and my sisters would take her back and forth to her gymnastics and ballet and all that jazz. But going back to, to my, um, my job, I couldn't have made it if it wasn't for my job. And I think it has a lot to do with, um, I, I love my job and I gave them over 100%. And it's one of those things wherein you do right and that will be given back to you. And that's the way I see it. And I, I just, um, we, we just managed, we just managed and, and Art, he, he kept me on top of everything. And like, at that time, no, we didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> and, you know, like, like I would call my moms and then I would call, you know, the office and tell Art something. And that's how we communicated or he would talk to me at work or they would get a call at the front desk on the floor that Arthur was on and I would talk to him that way. But it's one of those things wherein it, 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 it worked out. And I, I am so thankful. I thank God every day because when I really thought about all this and I, I think about, I never really thought about all the dynamics that were involved with this and all the people and I'm, I'm just very appreciative and grateful. Whew. Is that good enough? That is great enough. <laughs> Lord. Um, <laughs> come on, don't make these questions too hard now. Let me, let me go back to something you said. You said <laughs> Arthur was doing things and learning to do things. It just looked differently. Um, tell me about um, what principles or what was your parenting style to make sure that Arthur grew up to be a confident, motivated, productive person? Like what, what was your approach to make sure that he gained his independence? 
But one of the things we told him that he can do anything, he may have to do it differently than normal people, but he can do anything. And no wasn't an answer because his dad, oh my God, Art just stayed on him. And then, then to chime in, Alexia would put her two cent in also. So it was like, it was like, you do it or you don't. And there were no exceptions to it. I, I really didn't have a parenting style because it, it's like, I, I, I just kept going and going. And I was like the ever ready, ever ready battery. And I, I was never tired. And I think it has a lot to do with my faith. And then the fact that I knew what I had to do and I was determined to get it done. And we always set examples for both of the kids that, you know, go get it, go get it. And just be determined to do the best of whatever you try to accomplish, just, just do the best that you can. And Arthur, was that something that growing up, like hearing this now, is that something you feel like you received growing up, like you felt that, or those were the messages that you heard? I'm so glad you went to me next because I was going to say, my mother, the nice Christian woman that she is, she won't say it, but I love Jesus and I curse sometimes. They just didn't take any shit is what it is. Right, that's what, it, that's what I heard. So. <laughs> You know, so I apologize to the church people that are listening to this, but it's the truth. They just, like she said, no wasn't an option. It was, it, yes, that is the message I definitely received. One of the things I always remember, they never, um, they, they, our, our house, thankfully, I know we'll probably talk about this too, but our house was a rancher, one floor. Um, as I got older into my like teenage years, um, they did renovations to make ramps and things throughout the house and out to our backyard. Um, but they, they really didn't make, I, I won't say they didn't make things easy for me, but uh, one of the big things I remember, they never moved the dishes from the high cabinets. They were up in the high cabinets. I had to get a chair from the dining room, drag it into the kitchen to get a plate to get a bowl because my dad and my mom, they always said, you know, things are not always going to be easy for you in life. So you have to figure out how you're going to do things. We're not always going to be here. Like you said, they worked and they worked every day, five days a week. <laughs> and when they weren't working, they were doing other things. My mom was at choir rehearsals and everything else. So if I wait till they come in to eat dinner, <laughs> might be eight, nine o'clock at night. <laughs> so I have to figure things out. You know, I, I didn't take the trash out, but from the trash cans in the house, I had to get all the trash together from the bedrooms and bathrooms and bring it out to the main, you know, to the main trash can in the kitchen. I, you know, my sister would take and I would take turns washing and drying dishes, putting dishes away again, up in the high cabinets. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I, I definitely got that message uh, as a child and, you know, 100% relate that to the independence that I have today, living in my own apartment, driving a car. Um, and since this is my apartment, yes, I do have plates and bowls and dishes in lower cabinets for myself. <laughs> um, they're actually in my, I have a deep yes. uh, drawer in my kitchen where I keep just four, four plates and two bowls, just enough for me. I live here by myself. <laughs> but um, 
you know, so th that was one of the big things that was like, I don't have to do that anymore. I, this is my apartment. I pay the rent. <laughs> you knew you were capable of doing it. Right. You know, like, right. Yes. I, so I've been was, nailing that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but yes, that is definitely, um, that, that's definitely the, the message that I got from, from my mom <clears throat> and my dad uh, from a very early age. And again, my sister, we are a year and some change apart <laughs> in age and it was like you know she she helped make me the person i am the tough person i am and my family you know i i say to people all the time there isn't much that people can say to me now that will get me upset because i have cousins and we talk mm -hmm. trash to each other for a living you know just <laughs> you know on a friday night <laughs> You know, that's just what we do. So what you say is it can't hurt me too bad. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely um, relate, you know, can relate to uh, remembering those uh, times. And um, something you, you brought up too was me being in the hospital and you staying there and dad staying there. And I can just remember like you worked in Philly, um, my aunt Jackie, your sister worked in Philly like people would come visit me on their lunch breaks, <laughs> you know, coming into Philly. I have um, my sister, Andy, it's my, my dad's older daughter. Her mom would come and visit me when I was in the hospital, yeah. you know? Village, so, right? yeah, yeah. So like talking about a village, it just expands and extends to so many people, yeah. uh, you know, who just did so many different things, so many little things and, and hearing these conversations now, I'm like, wow, like, it did take it did take a lot and but as you said at least that you never saw like you never saw a drop of sweat no panic or anything it just looked like it was <laughs> moving right <laughs> moving right along <laughs> so arthur talked about it a little bit thompson avenue um was the the family home um it was a rancher um you guys had a pool um i wanted to know if that was a decision you guys made to get that house um, keeping Arthur in mind, or was that something that was already um, just, you know, kind of worked out by destiny kind of thing? That that kind of worked out because um, when we uh, purchased a home, you know, um, Arthur wasn't born then. Arthur wasn't born. And um, Art would always say, you know, take in the big picture because I wasn't really crazy about the house. And he says, you got to block out everything that's in the house and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it came to fruition. He, um, it, it worked out perfect. It was almost like it was in God's plan, you know, for us to be in a rancher. And then Art made all those um, uh, different changes in the house and renovated, but, yeah, it, it just worked out perfect. And then having the pool in the backyard, I remember Art threw Arthur in the pool and Arthur swam. Arthur could swim like a fish. He swam from one end of the pool to the other. He could swim. And that was one of the things that they were saying that he wouldn't be able to do a lot of things, but you know, he made adjustments, but he, he loves the water. And even to this day, he loves the water. But I can say that that, it, it, it's funny because you don't know what, what the Lord has planned for you. And by us purchasing that home, it worked out perfect for, for Arthur and, you know, for Alexia too. So it, it really worked out really good. 
And I remember the uh, family cookouts you guys would have. With <sighs> yeah, it was always, it's always, always a good time at your house, but specifically Arthur swimming. Like, you know, a lot of us couldn't swim, you know, couldn't swim well. And Arthur would be diving for things, swimming, <laughs> never getting out the pool. And so that's yep. something that sticks with me. I've always wanted to ask, was that something you guys planned in preparation for Arthur? So the fact that it was kind of like a divine intervention. Yes, that's what it was. Arthur uh, had to save a few people from <laughs> in the oh, pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> Like, why are you why are you jumping in the pool you can't swim and i have to say yeah like why <laughs> i get caught up in the vibe it's right i'm out there and you like lose it right go look at arthur go i got this no. right <laughs> arthur is now saving you right <laughs> um and so so looking at that that was divine intervention but tell me about like family vacations and outings and things like how much thought did you guys put into um Arthur um enjoying the things that you guys enjoyed um or was it one of those things where you're like we'll figure it out as we get there we really didn't um make any plans as far as um around Arthur because it was one of those things we just made the adjustment if it had to be made and like one of the things was like going to uh, Disney or going to the amusement parks. Um, we found out that, you know, with him having a disability, he can go to the front of the line. And that's where whenever he um, went on trips and they went to amusement parks, he always had buddies, different ones that would hang with him because he would get in line, you know, first. But they kind of changed that now, though, didn't they, Arthur? They have. And the, the bigger thing about that is I, I'd love to ride. I used to in my younger years. Coasters. would love to ride every ride there was. And definitely when you get on the ride, they have that. If you have any of the following conditions, you probably shouldn't ride this ride. If there were eight things on that list, I probably could check off five of those things, but I still <laughs> I still got on the ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love, yeah, I loved amusement rides and um, our vacations were um, were really fun. We went to Jamaica. I remember we went on a cruise. We went to Disney. Um, my uncle, my dad's brother, and his family, and um, one of my mom's sisters and her family. They both lived in California, so we would go to California all the time as kids. Um, you know, sometimes I would go as I got older, I would go by myself to stay with family in different places. Um, and traveling is just something I uh, got from my parents. As I said, Anissa, you all live in North Carolina. I will get in the car and drive to North Carolina in a minute. <laughs> Come stay with you, with you guys down there uh, for a week or so. And, and just having different friends that I've met uh, from high school and college that live in different parts of the country now. And, uh, you know, just traveling is something I really picked up from my parents and uh, still definitely enjoy. <laughs> and and one, one of the things um, when, when I think about that, that question, we, we never really did. Like, I know that when we, um, we went on the airplane, we always called and asked, you know, you know, telling them that he has a wheelchair and they told us exactly what we had to do. And um, 
like staying at hotels, um, we asked for accommodations, you know, for a wheelchair. And sometimes you would get a room that was wide enough for a wheelchair and sometimes you wouldn't. But, but basically, we just were very carefree about things. <laughs> yeah, we really didn't um, make any arrangements for anything. But I think then that is your parenting style. You know, it probably didn't. It's nothing you guys is like sat down and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. But your parenting style was to not adjust things around Arthur. I love that you said that because then it in turn made Arthur rise up to whatever challenge that was before him, even if it was the dishes in the, uh, you know, the, the upper cabinets or him having to figure out I have to drag a chair then I have to do this, then I have to do this. You guys kind of just, made him rise up to to show him his potential which is a beautiful thing like so your parents yeah that was pretty dope about Dolores <laughs> <laughs> before I go into um our Q&A um bringing in some of the questions that the podcast um viewers had um I just want to say that Arthur started our view to bring awareness and education um because there was a need and there was a gap, you know? And I look back at just being with you guys and I remember going to those appointments and, and having questions. And I remember Aunt Dolores, it, you know, it's not that I never asked questions. I asked questions as things came up and as, you know, I was curious, um, but she always explained to me, like she really explained about the lifting your shoe. Like I remember these things. I remember, you know, like I said, with the catheter and why it wasn't just like I need you to do this. She explained the whole thing to me. And so I feel like this is like kind of like a full circle thing because Aunt Dolores, in so many ways, you've been being a champion for um, educating people on disabilities, specifically Arthur's. And it's kind of magnified and grown with Arthur kind of pushing it forward with our view. So I also think that's an amazing thing. Um, you don't realize all the things that you've done. You didn't realize your, your amazing parenting style, which you do have. <laughs> um, but that educational component, I, I know that it's not just for me, but anyone who's asked you anything about Arthur, you, you um, willingly answered whatever it was. So um, this has been an absolute pleasure, guys. I love what you said, Anissa, though, about, you know, my mom being willing to teach you and educate you about different things and, and just talk to people about my disability. Uh, and that's definitely how I tried to live my life, to be open about it. Um, and I know that's not for everybody. I know that's not for everybody. Everybody is not comfortable with doing that. But I just feel if I can help educate, you know, a few other people and uh, the family members that I've had in my life growing up and now my friends are having kids and being in their life um, and sharing different things uh, with them about my disability and helping them learn. Um, you know, my niece and nephew, Khalif in Paris, and, and this all started because of Khalif and how he was mm -hmm. upset with uh, some students looking at him, or looking at me, I should say, uh, when I picked him up from school when he was nine or 10 years old yeah. um, and, and starting this um, because of that and, and realizing that it's not every child's experience to know somebody that has crutches, has a wheelchair. My nephew understands it. He knows why I need those things, but he also knows that I drive a car, I you know travel and, and do everything that I, that I wanna do and that we 
you know, we went to New York to see wrestling one year. We went to a dog show in New York, the car show in Philly. So, um, you know, I definitely got this uh, teaching and education uh, spirit, I guess, <laughs> within me uh, because of, of my parents, my mom and my dad. I have another one from uh, Celestine. She said, how important is it to have, well, we, we kind of answered this one. This, she's talking about your village. So I'm gonna go into her next question. She said, this is for Arthur. Um, she said, Arthur, did you prefer your parents to care for you? Oh, that's a good I question. I hear this one. <laughs> oh, it, it is, it's a good question. Um, and I actually, I loved it when I saw that question. <laughs> Because um, I think I think naturally, maybe um, you know, we all you know want our parents to care for us, and um, and my parents did a fantastic job of of caring for uh, myself and my sister. Um, and at the same time, as my mom mentioned, and in, in throughout the conversation, we had a huge village of people. Um, we lived in a very small community called Cheslehurst, New Jersey. Um, I think our elementary school had a hundred, maybe a hundred students from kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, one of the earliest things I can remember um, about growing up is the school nurse there at Cheslehurst. Um, she's a Caucasian woman. I now call her Aunt Bonnie. <laughs> Um, I remember her, I remember going to school on a Friday, many times throughout the school year, with a bag packed, and she would take me down to her shore house and see off for the weekend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or sometimes it would be like just an overnight thing. I'd go in the middle of the week, we'd go down to see Isle after school and come back uh, and go to school the next day. And um, like, like, so those, like our village is not just our family. My mom is, is one of seven children. My dad was one of 10. Um, my maternal grandmother, she was one of 15 or so many. Uh, we have a large family village, but it extends so much uh, further beyond the bloodline uh, for us. So to answer that question, yes, my parents took care of me, um, but then they also um, trusted people to take care of me who, who did fantastic, you know, fantastic jobs as well. And again, going back to, um, you know, Anissa and, and her family, I can remember coming and staying at your house, <laughs> you know, and it was like, uh, your mom is, is the reason why I love coffee ice cream from haagen because she took me <laughs> to the Cherry Home Mall. You know, it's just the random stuff I can remember. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, you know, of course, yes, we do. We love the way our parents care for us. And, um, I also knew that they were raising me to be independent. Um, one of the surgeries I had was on my bladder and uh, I actually had three surgeries on my bladder. The third one worked uh, where I now have to, since I was 13 or 14 years old, I have to catheterize through my belly button to empty my bladder every four to six hours. And it was made known very clearly until you can show that you can catheterize on your own every four to six hours, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, I was at my house or at my grandmother's house, like that's as far as it would go. You can't stay at anybody's house, <laughs> you know, until you can show that you are responsible enough to take care of yourself in that way. Love that. Yeah. You know, that that's it. And that 
that included writing, you know, writing things down, having a, a watch with an alarm on it, whatever was needed, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to uh, make sure that you take care of yourself again, because they always made it known that they were not always going to be around. And so they wanted to make sure that while other people, you know, they, they may know how to take care of me, you're going to know how to take care of yourself better, <laughs> you know, the best way. And, um, and until you can learn those types of things, then so, so long story short, I learned very quickly to, <laughs> to do the right thing. Cause I wanted, I, I wanted to do stuff, yeah. had an older sister and, and cousins that were out doing things. And I was like, wait, I want to do that stuff too. But I, you know, I have to <laughs> empty my bladder every four to six hours, whether I'm at an amusement park or somebody's pool or whatever. Um, so it, again, I learned very quickly to, uh, to do those things. And you know, I was, again, I was always at my grandmother's house. So my aunts and uncles that were there, like everybody uh, played a, a big part in um, caring for me, which, you know, I, it, this is, you know, this episode is about my mom and it's also about, um, you know, there's so many other people that, um, mm -hmm. that helped uh, in my upbringing and who have uh, shaped me into the person I am. Just from Bethany, she said, as a mother of two, how did you balance or avoid the appearance of preferential treatment over the one child over another? That, that's a very emotional question. And I'm going to try to do my best in answering. Sometimes I felt guilty because I did give Arthur more attention. But between Art's family and mine, we tried to make her feel special. Alexia played a big part in Art's upbringing as she was included in many doctor's appointments and we kept her busy in activities, gymnastics, dance, tap, jazz, ballet, and even the piano, Bethany. But that didn't get too, that didn't get too far, but she did try. Um, I, I want to, this, this is, this is the first time that this is, uh, these, these questions, these questions are amazing. And it makes me, it makes me really, really think. I want to apologize to Alexia if she ever felt neglected, but it was not intentional for spending a lot of time and giving art the attention. But I'm apologizing, but I know Lexi and I have talked about it and she said that she never okay. ever felt that way. But having this question, it made me really think and go back in my mind and what was going through my mind. But both of the kids, they were truly loved. And it may have seemed that like Arthur was getting more attention than Alexia, but it's understandable because he needed more care. But that was when he was coming up and like even now it's, it's different because he, he's very independent. And I just wanna give a shout out to my oldest daughter, Alexia and tell her that I love her very much. Whoop, whoop, yeah. And 
Give Arthur a shout out. Hey, my favorite son. Lexi is my favorite daughter. I and hope so. Tell him that <laughs> I love him too very much. Oh, oh boy. That just reminded me, like, so my mom only has two kids for those of you who um <laughs> who are wondering. So that's why I'm her favorite son and my sister is her favorite daughter. Uh, but it always that reminds me of my grandma. She always used to say I was her number one grandson. And um my grandmother, sadly, she passed away and she had um, dementia. So everybody would always say, how can you say that when you have so many other grandchildren? She said, I never said he was my favorite. I said he was my number one because I was the first boy born of the grandchildren. Like, so she knew what she was talking about. And <laughs> so my mom, and that's how my mom usually signs her cards or, or dresses her cards to my favorite son. So, um, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a good one. The question that Bethany posed and your response. Um, this is even something that moms, Jessica and I have had this conversation a million times about parenting your children, even when they're, they're not, no, neither of them have a disability, but yeah. how do you raise them as them? Keep it the same when it has to be so different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I think that's a challenge for, for any mom parenting two kids, multiple kids, giving them both what they need. And it's going to still look different. The discipline is going to look different. And you got to worry about this one looking at it this way and this one looking at it this way. So again, to, yeah. to have raised them to where you're having conversations with Alexia and she's saying, I didn't feel any of that. You know, that speaks to what I'm saying. Like coming to your house, you know, it was such a place of love. It was just a good time to be. Um, I was always scheduled to leave on the weekends. And I remember some weekends I would be like, mom, I'm not coming home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were the best. You were the best girl. <laughs> we weekend too. Like it was just a really warm place to be. And so you guys created such a special environment for, for them both. So again, kudos. Um, so one big question I have, um, what has Arthur, Arthur taught you? Oh, Lord. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> what has Arthur taught me? Why would you ask me a question? Like that? <laughs> when I told you there's things I I, I, can, <laughs> I can say that he he's taught me a lot. Patience. Hmm. We, we, can, we can leave it at patience. I, I know it's a heavy question. It takes a lot of Good question. digging and self-reflection. And, and it's, um, I always thought that I knew um, love, but I, I learned it even more with, with, with Arthur. And yeah, patience, love, understanding. The fruits of the spirit, all the fruits of the spirit. Well, okay, so, Oprah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had me um, think about that. What has Arthur taught me? Perseverance, courage, strength, and resilience. Oh, Lord. So many wonderful things. <laughs> 
that the first time you heard any any of that, Arthur, as far as what she's gotten from being your mom? Um, my mom is really, um, she's very thoughtful. She gives um, cards. She and she doesn't just buy the cards, she writes things in the cards. So I have um, heard a few of, of those before and maybe in not those exact words, but through what she has written in uh, cards and not just Christmas and birthdays, she'll just randomly, you know, I would send, she would send a, send a card <laughs> that I get in the mail, even though I saw her maybe the day before and the card arrives in the mail <laughs> with a stamp on it. So I know she actually sent it and <laughs> didn't just put it there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it does, it definitely goes back to though, uh, like you said, the, uh, her parenting style, my dad's parenting style of um, you know, just letting me know, like, I, I have to do things differently, but I can do things. Um, you know, of course, growing up in the 80s, I wanted to be a wrestler, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan oh, and, yeah. you know, all of yeah. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Macho Man, you know, I wanted to be a wrestler, then I wanted to do uh you know, like veterinary medicine, uh, you know, I went to work in a zoo with the animals and stuff. And, um, you know, so stuff like that, I can't do, but, um, you know, I, I, I chose a different, a totally different path. I want to say something. Um, everyone can be proud of what he is today because all played a part in where he is now. Family dynamics of love was so strong. Mm -hmm. And I am I am so appreciative and most grateful. Oh, mom. Oh my goodness. My goodness. No, no. Oh gosh, now I'll have to go have some tequila tonight. My goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. I wasn't even gonna do that tonight. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, this uh, I uh, this is um, a long time coming. Um, yeah. My I started this podcast in June of 2020. I this will be my 81st episode. Um, and since I started, everybody says, oh, "When are you having your mom on?" Um, <laughs> You have to have your mom on. That's going to be a good show. Um, so, so I'm thankful, mom, uh, to you always for um, just everything that you and dad have uh, done to make me the person that I am today. And as you said, with the assistance and help and encouragement and prayers of so many other people um, who have, um, you know, been there for me, who have taken me in and, and just have... Uh, done everything to uh, support me and uh, to my sister, who I know is uh, there with you. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you both. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank you. Um, Alexia will have to have you on uh, one day too. And Anissa, you'll um, facilitate, moderate that conversation too. <laughs> <laughs> He's but, laughing in the background. <laughs> But, um, and Anissa, thank you and happy Mother's oh, Day yeah. to you as well. And uh, for the role that you have played in my life and continue to play in my life, we, uh, our, our last thing, big thing that we did was we went to Vegas to see Janet Jackson. 
<laughs> right before the pandemic and all three of us went so you know usher is on my radar right now i know he's there Ooh, october right? he is he is october and and your birthday is in september yeah. mine is in november so yeah. october is a good time to go oh wow oh wow and it's past summertime so it's not going to be too hot in vegas so um we'll talk about that and uh make that happen <laughs> but uh thank you both so much for your time and uh mom for being open to um sharing your inner feelings and um your experience of raising uh, not just me but uh, my sister as well and um just giving me some more insight into um you know your thoughts and, and feelings because uh, it to me it was never that we of course we didn't hide my disability we couldn't um, but it was just something that we all accepted that it was like a, it, it was a fact that existed I have spina bifida okay and how can we um, how can you make life you know better for me and and make it um, accommodating for me and then also keeping me grounded and in the real world to realize that, um, you know, my world is not just the little bubble that we live in, <laughs> that people right. will be mean, people will not make things easy for me, things will be difficult. Uh, but how can I stay uh, level headed? And how can I, um, as you said, toward the beginning of the conversation, how can I be comfortable in who I am, right. in my skin and with this disability and living? It's uh, something I brought up on a podcast episode before with um, a, a woman who, who is um, now deceased, Miss Emmy, she uh, used to tell me about scriptures to insert my name into certain scriptures. And one of the scriptures she told me was, um, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So instead of saying I, you say, I, Arthur, am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. So it has taken me, um, it took me a while to get there. <laughs> <laughs> to uh to believe that but i definitely do believe that now and um and i've believed it for a long time now it's not something that i've recently accepted uh this was back when i was a younger adult <laughs> um but just doing that has has really helped me uh realize that like you know i i was born this way as lady gaga says uh and i was born this way for a reason and i feel like um I'm through Jake's Place, the work I'm doing with Jake's Place, the work I'm doing through Our View with this podcast and um, educating students. I just really feel like I have found one of my life's missions and purpose mm -hmm. purposes um, to educate people about disabilities. So um, thank you both for that role, for the role that you have oh, played in you. my life. And um, yeah, so this is a great conversation. I appreciate you both and love you much. And love you both too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs>